Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special edition Reaching the Summit podcast. And it's a special edition because we have a tournament winner. Oral Roberts beat Ohio State 75-72 yesterday in the first round of the NCAA tournament, which I suppose now is called the second round because of the first four. Um, And with me to talk about that, I have Adam Hildebrandt, the voice of the Golden Eagles men's basketball team, and Tim Hill, who is our correspondent slash writer for the website for Oral Roberts Basketball. Uh, Adam, I'll start out with you if you want to just do a quick introduction of yourself. Uh, First time you've been on the podcast, so just let us know who you are and and how long you've been working with the Golden Eagles and things like that. Yeah, uh, I'm Adam Hildebrandt. Uh, I I know from listening to previous episodes of the podcast that I should also say you can find me on Twitter at ORU Voice. Um, And... I've been with ORU. This is the end of my fifth basketball season now, or fortunately not quite yet the end of my fifth basketball season. It's still going. Uh, I'm from the Tulsa area, had moved away for a little while to, to call games and, and kind of work my way up the ladder and was able to find myself landed back at ORU calling Division One games. Uh, so I, I got, get to be around family and be in my hometown and, and now call March Madness upset. So it's it's a good time. Awesome. Well, and Adam, it's funny you say that because I apparently tournament wins get me out of the normal uh, introduction because I did not talk about my find me. on Twitter. Uh, So also with us is uh, is Tim Hill, who's who's I'd say about three quarters of the season joined us with, uh, to, to write about Kansas City and um, Oral Roberts. Tim, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, Tim Hill here. You can find me at uh, Tim underscore Hill three on Twitter and just a big Summit League fan. I was a uh, alumni of South Dakota State. And so when I got in contact with Todd uh, asking to join the team, he asked me to, if I'd be interested in writing about Oral Roberts and just been a blast ever since. Loved every moment of it. And uh, Adam, I think you're one of the first guys to really uh, start following me and interacting but it's been a blast to have some some of you guys including the coaches players and fans to uh um interact with on twitter and just been a good time perfect so i'll start out with a a question for you adam uh just have to start out with what was it like to be at that game to be able to call that game i tried all over i know you couldn't post anything on twitter because of ncaa rules but i figured our However many hundred people that are going to listen to this aren't going to turn us into the NCAA. So I tried to find the call. It's It was nowhere to be found on my searching talents. Just what was it like to be there for the game? Uh, it was it was pretty incredible. Uh, I'd never been to, to Mackey Arena. And so that was my first time there. I had done baseball at Purdue, but not basketball. And I had told people kind of all week, I really hadn't let myself get too excited. I was kind of trying to just stay as chill as possible over the course of the week. But when I got inside the arena, you see, you're so used to seeing like the March Madness floor design and the logo on TV, right? And then you get there, you see it in, in person, and it's it's a little bit awe-inspiring. It's, you know, big arena, there's cameras everywhere. And you're like, this is like, we are here. This is the NCAA tournament, something I've literally grown up watching and, and paying attention to my entire life. Um, and so I, I got up, set up pretty early and got connected and things like that to the radio station. And then I took a moment to kind of walk around before most of the fans got in there and, and take a few photos and try to soak it in a little bit. 
Um, and then I had to take some real deep breaths before we started the, the pregame show. Uh, the nerves didn't really kick in until about 30 minutes before we started. And the, the pregame show got me fired up. And by the time we finished with the pregame show and got into the, the actual game, uh, it was less nerves and more excitement. And then the, clearly the, the two teams were excited. I mean, ORU, to go out and start on a 7-0 run and just announce like, hey, we're, we came to play. This is, this is not a situation where we're going to be intimidated. I thought it was huge. Of course, Ohio State responded with about a 12-0 run. And then both teams settled into the game a little bit more, and it, it became more like a regular basketball game. I will say the, the abnormal thing about it was usually when you get to, like, the under-16 media timeout of the second half, uh, you're like, okay, we're just working our way through the second half. That seemed like an eternity to, towards the end of the game. Like, the, those last 20 minutes, really, after we started the second half, just it seemed like three full games of basketball because the whole time you're like, can we just – get to the end and figure out how this plays out. Um, but, you know, there were there was a good number of ORU fans there. It was kind of weird because they had me opposite of the ORU fans, and they had the Ohio State broadcasters opposite of me. And so they were over with our fans, and I was over with their fans. So that was kind of strange. But other than that, uh, you know, to get to see the excitement, to get to look across the arena and see the ORU fans celebrating big plays, uh, and then obviously the excitement at the end of the game was – it was – an experience I will never ever forget. That's that's awesome. I love that that firsthand account. I want to ask a question off of that, Adam. So, or and actually, both of you could answer. But you talked about the nervousness as the game um, got started, and then you got in the flow a little bit. One player who I'm not sure ever gets nervous in his life is Kevin O'Banner. His ability to just go to the free throw. I couldn't even tweet at the end of the game. Because I was so nervous. And here he is just knocking down free throws like it's practice. Adam, is that something you've seen all season from, well, I guess, all career, really, out three years he's been playing? Yeah. I mean, he's an 84% free throw shooter for his career. Uh, so he's he has been consistently good since he got to campus at the free throw line. But I cannot imagine being in that situation. Uh, as a, you know, the whole team was in civil tournament debutants and to go to the line with two huge free throws, you, like you had to have those two to tie the game. And he, I don't know that he touched the rim on either of them. Um, and he had a couple of big ones in, in the overtime period too, another huge offensive rebound. Uh, I mean, one thing that over the, first, the course of his first couple of years that was kind of the, con, the concern or the knock on him over those four, first couple of years was at times he would not stay locked in and, and sometimes would, you know, trail off a little bit in the middle of a game or what have you. Uh, that's not been the case this year. He has been locked in start to finish in basically every game. And the Golden Eagles had to have him that way 100% of the time yesterday. And he stepped up to the plate and, and did it. You know, we've seen a lot of guys, a, a lot of very good, like NBA type players step up to the line in big moments in the NCAA tournament and miss free throws. So for, for Kevin to be able to clear his mind, you know, focus in and, and get that done, it seems uh, like something any player should do because it's a free throw, right? But there's not many free throws like those free throws, and he hit every one of them. Right. Yeah, Yeah. and as a person who's lobbed the criticism at times um, prior to this season of he just sometimes wouldn't be as locked in, I, I that can never be lobbed at him again, not after this season. It just, you know, everybody's going to have their stretches where they maybe don't contribute as much, but he – just locked in all season and and defensively yesterday. I know EJ Liddell had a good game, but 
EJ Liddell's going to have a good game. He defended consistently without fouling, which might have been as big a key as as anything else in, else in yesterday's victory. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go Tim. Ahead. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, uh, yeah, I was just going to point out, you know, Adam, you mentioned how he's uh, got such an even mentality. I think that's why he gets so overlooked is – you know, Max makes the big energy plays and, you know, Kevin, he's, he's such a, you know, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. And then next thing you know, he's got an all important double, double. And, you know, like, uh, you know, Todd was talking about too, uh, staying out of foul trouble. That was just impressive because that has hampered him at times this year. And I remember when the first half got over, um, thinking, wow, this is, this is a game. This is unbelievable. And then I looked at the box score, and I think you guys only had five personal fouls. No one had more than one. I was like, all right, they're 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 set up to make a run here. And uh, it was just impressive to watch these guys. Yeah, it definitely allowed uh, Paul to keep the normal rotations intact. He didn't have to get out of any sort of rhythm rotationally, which was very helpful. But it also, to a certain extent, took Ohio State out of its game. I mean, that team came in first in the country in free throws made on the year and fourth in free throws attempted. And they got to the line some, but it's not like it was an overwhelming amount. And that was one thing that you couldn't have was to allow them to just bury you at the free throw line. Uh, the Golden Eagles were able to, to, for the most part, keep them off the free throw line. And the, with the interior defense, there were some times that Liddell caught it pretty deep. Uh, but I think that Liddell scoring around the rim was kind of something that the Golden Eagles were willing to live with. Uh, as as they say sometimes, you know, if, if if this guy is making this shot, we're living. And they lived throughout that game. They, they got it done. Yeah, and going back to the free throws, it was uh, interesting to see, you know, normally the Cinderella, you know, they put up a good fight, and then you kind of see them fall apart at the end with, you know, going to the stripe, getting a little nervous. But it was actually Ohio State that went 50% from the line and was missing big free throws at the end. And, you know, is there, do you think it was just a special night or is there something that uh, Coach Mills preaches to these guys that kept them composed where they were just cool as a cucumber as, I can't remember which sports center guy it is that says that, but yeah. uh, that, I mean, they just went to the line, Kevin especially, and just knocking down shots and not, you know, taken back by the moment. And they looked like they were the team that had been there before. I, I think a lot of it was simple expectations. Um, this is a, a group that, as Coach Mills, I've heard him say a couple of times in interviews from yesterday that they expected to go in there and win. Uh, and subsequently, they expect to go to the line and make free throws. I mean, the best free throw percentage team in the country uh, coming into the NCAA tournament, and they actually improved their percentage. Uh, no, it, it ended up dropping just below their their average over the course of the season. But um, I, I told a couple people yesterday – after the game, it, I was not surprised so much as I was just overjoyed and proud. Like, uh, this is a team that over the course of the year, we've seen them in big moments play well. They, they weren't able to get over the hump and get it done in those non-conference games, but they were able to play very well. And, and Kevin O'Banner had double-doubles in, in now three of the six games against NCAA tournament teams this year. Uh, he's averaged now twenty about 23.5 points per game against teams that played here in Indianapolis this year. So uh, he is he, Kevin in particular, and Max 
and the whole team really have played well in big moments and just hadn't been able to finish the job yesterday. They finished the job and, and I think they expected to. So Adam, you said that they expected to, uh, let's talk about whether we expected that to happen. I wrote an article prior to, to the game and basically saying that I thought they could lead by halftime, but eventually Ohio state would, um, you know, the, the athletes would win out, so to speak. Um, but then I put down some things that I thought, well, if they did this, 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 they could win the game. Um, and, and, uh, it's, this is all mythological, of course, because I live in Minnesota and there's there's no sports betting. But see, people may have brought some money with them to put on Oral Roberts, so I might be a little bit even happier um, after the outcome of that game. Um, but what, Tim, we'll start with you. Did 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 you guys think they had a chance to win this game going into it? Did you think it would take a special performance? Because I would even argue it wasn't an extra. Spe- maybe defensively it was extra special, but. That was not an extra special Oral Roberts offensive performance yesterday, and they still came up with the victory. Tim, did you think it could happen? I I was not surprised or thought that they needed like this ridiculous, you know, forty point game from Max or you know an impressive double double from Kevin. But I think the important thing was uh, we talk about it a lot in our group chats, but you know, seeing the supporting cast. They had to show up, um, you know, knowing, you know, Kevin and Max couldn't do it just by themselves. And while they're quiet on the offensive end, I thought, you know, Carlos and Kareem, DeShang, Francis, I, I thought they were all just terrific on the defensive end. And they showed up there and, you know, caused a lot of turnovers. I think you guys turned Ohio State over 15 times. And so seeing them locked in, even though, you know, shots weren't necessarily dropping, I, I knew it would go down to the wire and that they had a chance, but uh, that it would take the supporting cast to step up for the upset to happen. So not surprised, but knew that they needed that uh, that contribution from the, the other guys to really make it a total team effort to get the win. Yeah, um when I started diving into the the prep, once we found out that Ohio State would be the opponent, you knew they were going to be a physical team because they came out of the Big Ten, and we knew they were a good rebounding team from the get-go. But as I started looking at the roster, because length was always the thing that concerned me getting into this tournament. And, okay, the, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, their first two guards. Like, okay, there's an advantage there. But then you start looking down the lineup, they didn't play anybody yesterday that was bigger than 6'8". And that's that's how big Kevin and Francis and DeShang are. And so as you started to look at that matchup, it was like, okay, they're physical, but if you can just in some ways match that physicality, they're not there's not two or three seven footers running around out there that are just gonna go up over the top of you and get boards. And so I was like, okay, that that's that's not as big of a disadvantage as I feared. And then I talked to Sam Patterson, who had the scout of that game yesterday, one of the assistants. Uh, I talked to him a few days ago for our pregame interview, and we spoke for about half an hour outside of that interview. Uh, and I was just asking him about, you know, background stuff for the game. And the longer he spoke, the longer I was like, or the more I, I thought, there is a real pathway to go and get this done. And yep. and they clearly see it and believe that they are capable of doing it. And they pretty much followed that game plan to a T. Uh, they, they wanted to limit a few different guys uh, defensively. 
and the guys that they would call hots, uh, who, who they are worried about as shooters. And those guys that they had marked as hots only took four shots from three yesterday and made one of them. I mean, that's just an incredible job of following the game plan and running guys off the three-point line. And so for them to follow the game plan as well as they did, sure, they gave up some deep paint touches to Liddell, but uh, they clearly thought that they were capable of doing it. So the, the more we went through the week after finding out the matchup on Selection Sunday, the more I convinced myself that there was a pretty good chance for ORU to win that game, and then sure enough, they went out and did it. So so we didn't get to hear your call, but I, I was just thinking of something. When, when I, I think it was Washington that got the open look after the offensive rebound at the end of the game, Adam uh, – were you able to speak as that was happening or <laughs> so, he was pretty open? That one was, that one was scary. Yeah. The first one. So I was seated basically straight above that. I was kind of in the corner there at the mezzanine level. So I had a really good look at it. And the first shot I was like, okay, that's really well defended. I was actually like, no, please don't foul Kevin. <laughs> Cause he was really close. Um, and then on the rebound, as soon as he caught that, I, I recognized the number and realized it was Washington. I was like, oh, no, because he was real open. Uh, and obviously, that wasn't anybody's fault. It just happened to fall right there, and he was there for it. Um, and I couldn't tell from my angle if it was online or not. Uh, then I saw it bounce, uh, and, of course, the buzzer sounded. And I had I had thought through what my call would be uh, to a certain extent, and I, I didn't say what I thought I was going to say for the most part, other than uh, I knew I wanted to, to get something in there about madness at Mackie, because I'm a big fan of anything that has alliteration like that. Um, and then I think I just said Golden Eagles win a bunch of times because that was the absolute most important thing about that moment was that ORU had gotten it done. Um, it was, frankly, it's an experience that not many people who do my job get to have. I mean, there's been 10 broadcasters ever who have called a 15 over a two or a 16 over a one in the history of the NCAA tournament. And I, I get to be one of them. Like I, I feel like one of the luckiest people on planet earth. Um, I'm so just dang proud of those guys who continued to believe in each other and, and what they've been building over the last few years here. Um, and, and happy for, you know, my friends who are assistant coaches and GAs and everything else. So uh, it has just been, it's been a wonderful experience and to get to do something like that. I mean, there, there's a pretty good chance that I'll never experience a moment like that in my career ever again. Um, mm -hmm. Because even, even if, you know, you get back to the same point, let's, let's say, or you fortunate enough to, to go out and, and win the uh, summit league again next year and make it to the tournament. They might be a, a 12 or a 13 or a 14 seed if they play well enough. Uh, and so even if they, if they continue to pull upsets in future years, it probably won't be a 15 over a two that just doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm still, I, I, I think I got all my words out. I did gum up the word oral Roberts a little bit, uh, in my excitement, uh, <laughs> after the final call there, but I think I got all my words out and they were understandable. And then, uh, my wife was driving us back to Indianapolis from West Lafayette after the game. And I think there were several times that I just went <laughs> at random because I had, I had, I had no words left or just started laughing. There were a couple of times where we'd be driving along in silence because my kids all passed out in the back seat and I would just start chuckling. And she's like, what? And I was like, it's just, it's just funny and, and awesome. <laughs> there, there are no other words at that point. 
did you know what to do with your hands this time? <laughs> I, again, have no clue what I was doing with my hands. Um, I suspect it was probably something similar uh, to what was on that video. I saw Thayer tweet at halftime that we were 20 minutes away from another uh, hand-pumping <laughs> event. Um, I have I have no clue. Um, I know before the game, I saw – so uh, Scott Slarks, who's our SID, is in the bubble with the team, and, and Duncan White, who's our content guy, and I've known those guys for several years. So – I was already in the arena setting up when they got in and, and walked down on the floor. And so they turned and they looked at me from across the floor and I, we looked at each other. We both just gave the, you know, two handed fist bump. That's kind of become our, our sign now for, for <laughs> let's go. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I have no clue. Absolutely no idea. Just full of excitement in that moment. So I want to just spend a couple minutes talking about Florida. Who's the next opponent. And I'll start with a really simple question. Can they do it again? I've got, I'll have a simple answer. Yes. Um, okay. uh, frankly, I haven't dove into Florida very much yet. Uh, I spent most of my time last night trying to comprehend uh, what had just happened. Uh, I've got a lot of prep work in front of me today for the Gators. Um, but at this point, I mean, all bets are kind of off, right? Like you already beat a two seed. So right. You, you you faced teams this year and now beat teams that are just as good, if not better than Florida. Um, so every matchup, it, it's always about the matchups this time of year, right? So I need to, I need to dive in and see what the major pieces are for the Gators and figure out where there might be matchup advantages or disadvantages. But one thing I know about this coaching staff is, is they're capable of finding those advantages and, and exploiting them. And so we'll see what, what Paul Mills and those guys come up with. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to see what they formulate as a game plan. But if you've done it once, you can do it again. And and this team clearly had all the confidence in the world coming in. Um, as as I saw Coach Mills say in a video from the locker room last night, he basically said, "Hey, we've been telling you guys about the experience. We don't have to tell you guys now. You guys know what the experience is." And I think that was the one thing about this team coming in. The biggest question mark was these guys have not been here. How are they going to react? And right they reacted really well. And so, and, you know, we have no reason to think that they're not going to go out and at least, you know, play well and execute the game plan. Shots may fall or they may not fall uh, on, on any given night, but this team just proved that it's not going to, you know, cower to the moment. It's, it's not going to shy away from, from the big stage. And once you prove that you can do that, then you, you prove that you're going give to give yourself a, a chance to go in and win any game. Awesome. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't say I've watched Florida at all this year, so I, I'm not real sure what they look like in terms of their roster, but, you know, I certainly think they can do. I think the biggest challenge for them will be, you know, staying locked in. Being in a bubble definitely helps in this situation. You know, they're not around all the fans patting them on the back and talking, going back about the game. And, you know, if they can continue to focus on Florida and, you know, put off more celebration over this historic win for later and just focus in on Florida, I definitely think they have a chance. I know Florida might be without two of their guys. But, um, yeah, just, you know, I think, you know, Todd, we've talked about it a bunch. Uh, the big thing with Oral Roberts is can they stay consistent? Can they stay, you know, stay locked in both ends for a full 40 minutes and, Really, the last few weeks they've shown that they can do that, and and last night they obviously did that. And you know, if they go into that Florida game with that same mentality that 
hey, we belong here. We can win this game. Let's not let the moment engulf us. I, I think they can make it to the Sweet 16. And, Tim, you mentioned that that's a good call, mentioning being in the bubble and that helping with some distractions. Uh, I'll be interested to see how the team handles social media because I know from personal experience last night that it's real easy to stay on your phone until 1 or 2 in the morning because <laughs> everyone is hitting you up on social media. Um, yes. And I'm confident that a lot more people are hitting up Max Aismas and Kevin O'Banner than, than our little old me. Uh, I mean, sticking, I, I saw this morning, John Morant and Trey Young are tweeting at those guys. Like, you're talking big name NBA players who are hitting you up on social media. So uh, they're, they got to find a way to stay focused a little bit and, and tune out a little bit of that noise, uh, which will be hard to do with all the excitement. But it's it was similar. And I, I, I think I remember hearing you guys talk about this during the one of the podcasts uh, at the Summit League tournament. But it, I think it's a little bit like that first round game in Sioux Falls against North Dakota, where the team was kind of like, Okay, cool, we won, uh, but that's not what we're here for. Uh, I know there was some celebration last night for sure, but I don't think it's going to take very long for this team to turn around and get locked back in. Awesome. Yeah, the one thing I do know on Florida, and Tim, you had talked about Tyree Appleby was injured during the game against Virginia Tech, so I'm not sure if if he'll be back or not, but it, it was a hit to the head. And the, the one thing that Florida does have that Ohio State didn't have is quite a bit of size. And so it'll be interesting to see how they, um, as a, Tim is an official member of the Nate Clover fan club. So um, <laughs> he, he has been uh, bringing up how, uh, but it just isn't something that Oral Roberts, that, that you know, with, with Lufili out all year with injury and, uh, and Clover being a freshman, they, they just haven't dug into that, that size that they've got on the bench uh, real often. Um, I am spacing on the name of the guy who does play some minutes, the other freshman. Um, Ishmael Plitt. There we go. Yes. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they go a little deeper into the bench. I think they only went seven deep, and, and that wasn't even real deep into the seven. Um, Everyone was an Iron Man. Uh, Kareem, for some reason, needed to sit for a minute yesterday. I, I don't know why he needed, <laughs> this, but uh, uh, but and, and I think Carlos played forty-two minutes or something, and then Kevin and Max played the entire game. So it'll it'll be interesting on the second game if you can go if they'll have to go a little deeper into the bench and th- and things like that. But uh, I I'm in agreement. Uh, you know, Florida's a seven for a reason, and Ohio State was a two for a reason. So if you can beat Ohio State, you can beat Florida. It'll, it'll be a challenging game. Florida's full of top 100 recruits. They're a very talented basketball team. But I, I think it can happen. Um, and, and, and like the two of you, I haven't dug deep into Florida, so I won't go into any, any more than that. Um, but uh, and one, one last thing I wanted to, to bring up, Adam, and then we'll wrap up for today. Um, I went to college at a faith-based um, university, and I know that's something that is – important to Oral Roberts, the players, to, to, to the group as a whole. I think uh, Coach Mills is an ordained pastor, um, or it was going to be, or something like that. Um, what does that mean? Is, is that something that's important to you and, and the team as a whole? Is that part of the message as you get this new stage um, with the win in the NCAA tournament and all of that? Uh, I, I do think it is part of the message. Uh, I know I heard Kevin talk about it post game yesterday, and uh, Kevin in in post game interviews, he's 
he's kind of a quiet guy until you get to know him really well. Uh, and so his message, his answers sometimes sound a little bit scripted um, because he's not used to being in those situations necessarily. But when he says, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're honored to be here. We want to play for the glory of God. He, he does mean that. Um, you know, you mentioned Paul. He was uh, two, hour, or two classes, I think, short of completing a seminary degree when he got here. Uh, I think he may have finished that up by now. Um, but I know when I, when I signed on here, because uh, I'm of faith as well, one of the things that I was looking forward to was being in an environment where it was going to be pretty easy to talk to student athletes about their faith. And not, I'm certainly not as close with these guys as the coaches are, but uh, if you'll remember the name Emmanuel Nizakwesi. I met Emmanuel at a uh, college, like college night for a church ministry before I ever met him on the basketball floor. Um, it was within, you know, my first month or so of, of working at ORU once we had moved back home. And so that's definitely a, a prominent role. The, the guys have chapel before every game. They, they do uh, scout, then chapel, then their pregame meal. And so it is something that, that goes, runs throughout this program. And the thing that, that Coach Mills, who usually does the chapel sessions, talks about more than anything is, is love. Um, and, and specifically th- this year, he's been going over the, the different kinds of love and, and of course, leading up to agape love, which is, uh, that love that, that Christ shows to us. And, uh, this is a group of guys who, who genuinely love each other. They buy into that message and not, you know, not everyone comes in here, uh, with, with a bedrock of faith. And generally speaking, they, they have the chance to, uh, experience and, and, uh, dip their toe in the water of that faith to a certain extent, obviously, when they're, when they're here. So uh, it is something that runs through the program for sure. Uh, I, I am certainly glad to be in a place where uh, we're allowed to, to talk about that freely. Uh, at the same time, I'm not a big like, uh, you know, you pray to win games. Uh, <laughs> no. guys, guys on both sides, I'm sure there are guys of, at Ohio State that prayed to win that game yesterday. I don't think God's picking favorites, even in the NCAA <laughs> tournaments. Um, <laughs> But I am very proud that those guys were able to go out there and, and showcase the kind of people they are uh, and, and put, uh, put themselves on, on the big stage and, and use basketball. It was, uh, there's a documentary out there, uh, Praise the Lord and Pass the Ball. And Oral Roberts, uh, when, you know, when the basketball program got started, he basically said, we might not be on the front page with our uh, sermon every Sunday, but if our basketball team wins games, then we'll be on the front page of the sports page and maybe that'll get some people's attention it's getting some people's attention right now. Right. About as big as it can be. It's a top, top uh, story on ESPN. Um, and Adam, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think God is going, Ooh, seven Christians on this team and four on the other. So I'm going to, uh, it would change recruiting strategies quite a bit, but uh, I don't <laughs> think that that's the way that it, that it happens. Um, I just wanted, I knew it was important to the school. So I thought we'd spend one or two minutes just, just bringing it up. Um, I'd, I'd like I, to just kind of expand on that if you don't mind. Um, just kind of that connection that the team has in the, their faith. And uh, Adam, I'd love to hear what you think. Um, you know, I've been around basketball long enough to know when a team has good chemistry or when it's just a team that plays with talent. And Oral Roberts seems to be as connected and plays for each other and with each other as any team I've seen in in a long time. And do you think that plays into it or is it just something that 
Coach Mills um, separately preaches to have that team chemistry and camaraderie because, you know, there's so many guys that selflessly, you know, know that their role is a supporting role while Max and Kevin get the headlines as the scores. But everybody seems, seems to have this, you know, mentality of, if this is my role, I'm going to be the best at this role. And, you know, you just don't see that often. And, you know, is, is the faith part of that? Is it just, you know, just a great team dynamic or what, what have you seen? I, I think it all rolls in together. Uh, first of all, you, you are correct. This is a very connected team. Uh, Paul talks about this all the time and, and tells the guys that Francis Lotsis is possibly the best teammate that they will ever play with. That guy wants nothing more than for everyone around him to have success. He can put up somehow negative points in a game and would still be happy if the other guys had success in the team one. Like that dude is an incredible teammate, uh, but that rolls into his friendship with Carlos Jurgens and then Carlos's friendship with Max. And, and they just, it's a very interconnected group. Uh, I would, I would think that uh, faith plays into that to a certain extent, but you know, when, when coach Mills got here, uh, the first thing he did, this team meets every meal together, eats every meal together on the road. They eat a lot of meals together at home. He's real big about gathering together for meals. And frankly, there were some post-game meals over the course of the first few years that were not super fun. There's a lot of quiet eating and forks clanking against the plates and uh, not many words being said. But in those moments, they were still together as a team. And I, and I think that's important as you're trying to grow something and, and build a program to have that kind of connectivity, whether you win or lose. Uh, and that's not to say that guys don't get in arguments. There's not, you know, there's dust ups on the practice floor, that kind of thing. That's going to happen. Uh, but especially in a year like this year with COVID and you're having to give up, you know, make, make extra sacrifices just to stay healthy and get to play games. Um, I think it was massively important to have that kind of cohesiveness this year. And it showed. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I, you know what? I don't want to take up too much more of your guys' time. I really appreciate both of you joining um, so we could get something in and, and uh, do a, our own little mini celebration of, of the victory yesterday and a little preview of, of tomorrow's game as well. Um, I kind of hope we have to scramble again. That would mean there's, a, there's another win on the docket. Um, so, again, I appreciate both of you um, for joining us and uh, hopefully see you next time. You bet. Yeah. Glad to do it.